people are still skeptical about AI. But I think one of the scariest things is when people start trusting it and are no longer skeptical. Yeah. And if you take the AI's word for the gospel, yeah. then that's when we could be screwed up. There are always going to be errors yeah. and that could get scary. I Cheers. Cheers. Episode one, huh? Yeah, all right. All right, guys. Um, quick little introduction. I'm super excited to be here today. I've been kind of anticipating this for quite a long time. Uh, just never really did it, but um, here it is. My podcast, my name is Navid Rahimian. I go by NAV. I actually started my career in accounting as a CPA. I started in the big four. Spent about a decade in the asset and wealth management space out there and uh you know, it was great, great experience. A lot of NAV. I don't know if you know, Quinn, but uh, NAV in, in the asset management world is a very important benchmark in that asset value. And at one point, I just knew that I kind of wanted a more entrepreneurial feel, get out of the corporate scene a little bit, and wanted to start my own thing and really add more value. Uh, I figured a lot, of, a lot of the add value stuff that I was doing earlier on in my career kind of dwindled became a regular thing and you know I decided to take on a completely new effort and that's helped small business and um, I'm thankful to say the last four or five years that I've been fully on my own uh, it's been incredible met some brilliant minds met some hard-working guys I love adding value to businesses and business owners and entrepreneurs and super super excited to start this uh, podcast Without further ado, I, I want to introduce our first guest, my man Quinn. Uh, Quinn has been doing some great stuff for us on social media fronts, um, so thank you in advance for that and uh, a lot of the, our AI automation efforts, so we'll get into that in a little bit. But Quinn, uh, I probably didn't do your yeah. show justice, but why don't you maybe introduce yourself for a little? Yeah, okay, so my background is social media management. I have a degree in finance. But I have a content creation, content production company called iMagnify. And my side of things in that is working on more of the finance and the operations side in terms of creating internal business systems. <laughs> and so that has a lot of AI inside of it, like Zapier and Axiom AI. They're amazing softwares that allow us to do a, a ton of stuff in terms of automating our business. Yeah, totally. Where'd you go to school? Uh, LMU. Well, I'm nice. out. Nice. So local in LA. Yes. Were you born and raised? Uh, yeah, we're raised in a suburb of LA, just outside uh, Westlake Village. Basically, is home for me. Home for me. Yeah. But when I went to school, I was finally able to experience the city life a lot more, and it feels like everything's just so connected. Because I can drive in any direction, I can find something cool. Whereas in the suburbs, the only thing to do is really just hang out in the mountains. You know. Yeah. I mean, so you went to what was it Westlake High or where did you go for high school? Agora High School. Agora. Yeah. Cool. So I wasn't too far. I went to Taft. So I went to Woodland Hills, grew up there, born in Israel, uh -huh. but our family made a trek out of here very early when I was very young. So pretty much all my life I've been here too, and in LA native too, and uh, didn't go too far for college either. So UCLA for me. Also, did you end up living in college in LMU or did you do that commute? Because that's a killer commute. I did end up living on campus okay. and then I moved off campus a little bit later. Okay. And I guess Playa del... Uh, yeah, it's uh, Playa Vista. Playa Vista. Playa Vista. Nice. And I, I would say going from 
in, in like a small town high school to a larger college. I think there's four, you know, to 8,000 people at that school. There's a really big culture difference, both from the location and from the types of people. Sure. Very interesting. Sure. Yeah. And I would say one of the biggest ones is wealth. So going to a private school, there's a lot more very wealthy people compared to going to a, just a regular old public high school. Sure. And then the location also has a bigger impact too. And I would say that at home, the culture was, there was a lot larger, um, excuse me, there was a much wider variety of intelligences. I noticed that in high school, you would have the smartest people who would, you know, Ivy League material, these guys could solve a calculus question in middle school. Yeah. And then there's these people who, you know, were the stoners and could never do anything. You know, about there's not that there's wrong with anything wrong with, you know, being a stoner, but it's, there's very different life paths. And, you know, when you have, you go out to college, I find that you find that sort of variety narrows down into a single group, you know, and there's, there are groups within that, of course, but it's a much more, uh, homogenous type of group more than I had expected. Yeah. So you don't like stoners, huh? Calling out stoners. I'm I am a little bit. Um <laughs> I I'm not calling out, you know, I, I'm actually a libertarian in terms of drug use. Okay. I think that everyone should have the right to do whichever drugs they want. I think heroin should be legal. Okay. I think heroin should be legal. I think I don't okay. think you should do it. I think no one should do it. But you should you don't think it should it should it's, be legal. Why? Because I, I'm a man of the principle. Mm -hmm. So I believe that you as a human being have the right to make that decision for yourself so long as it doesn't affect other people around you. Sure. So I, I don't know about this effects of heroin specifically. I think, you know, it's incredible, incredible high, but if you're, you know, if you do a hard drug and it makes you violent, that's a drug that should, should, that should be outlawed. You know, there is there is a good counter argument too, which is the the self harm aspect. You know, if it's it's violent to yourself, that, that is a good counter argument. But the the place that I'm coming from is a matter of principle in terms of being allowed to do what you want to do in your own home. Yeah, and that's sort of the the philosophy that I like to live by. Yeah, and and you know, there's there's a lot of corruption when stuff becomes illegal, like drugs, right? And so, you know, why why have these illegal cartels and whatnot? benefit on such crazy activity i mean you know I, I won't get crazy with uh opium use as much even though it's probably the worst pandemic we're dealing with um but even stuff like marijuana that's just recently become legalized and um we can see the impacts on revenues in 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 different states and um i'm all for it man i think uh i think um made me think about legalizing it and so, I mean, obviously putting certain constraints over it, but, you know, if it's going to happen, it's been happening for years and it's not going to stop. P people who want to use are going to use. Yeah. Why not just legalize it? And actually, you know, we are in, in, in a big, big, difficult economic situation, which, which we'll get to in a little bit too. And, you know, why not? You know, I think the cannabis industry has been incredible for states that have legalized it. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of tax revenue. And, and this is actually a principle that's true for government, but something about drug use in high school and, and especially in that realm, um, I found that families where the parents are a lot more strict on drug use raise the kids who want to do it the most. Yeah. And so my, my parents were not very strict there. You know, we don't, we don't support this, but if you end up going and doing cocaine, I want you to be able to call us. Right. You know, where there are some parents who are said, if you do this stuff, you are dead, you are dead to us. 
And so what happens when that kid is in trouble there? You know, they're, they've had too much to drink in high school, you know, and their parents have been too strict. Who they called for a ride home? Yeah. You know, and that's how you end up having these drunk driving accidents and stuff like that. Absolutely. I think we're both blessed in that, you know, we have a family and upbringing that kind of, um, yeah. you know, supports ours. And that's like really the core of when I always think about it, you know, when shit goes down, everything is, you know, in life, you have your ups and downs at the end of the day, when you have those downs and having your family by your side, it's just, you know, from, from growth and from like my childhood to this day, it's, it's been an absolute blessing. And um, shout out to all the parents and the moms and dads that are just, you know, living selflessly all day. So yeah, awesome stuff. All right. So, you know, I kind of want to go over some of the things that I'm looking forward to, you know, um, covering, uh, over the next, over the next, you know, few podcasts here. Um, obviously a lot of things, business, uh, you know, the world is ever changing. There's so many different things with the finance and accounting and business world overall. And I want to try and cover as much as I can on this podcast. At the same time, I kind of want to stay true to having a little bit of fun and that, you know, for me, I'm all into sports and I kind of want to continue to talk about sports and uh, keep up with the trends um, and, and also music, all the good stuff, you know, get a little crazy and just switch it up a little bit and not be all, you know, uh, all, all work. I'm truly blessed to have a really, really great surround and support system and my client base and my mentors and you know all these people. And I'm really looking forward to bringing them on this on this podcast. Really looking forward to bringing some of those guys on. So, from for my clients and and my guys that I told that I just mentioned, uh, you know, keep an eye out. You're coming soon, and um, I'm looking forward to collaborating a little bit. So Quinn, I mean, look, I know you have a ton of value to offer uh, for for our guests and, you know, wanted to spend a little bit of time honing in on some of the um, unique social media content uh, efforts that you're able to uh, achieve for your clients, including us. Uh, you want to you chime in a, a little bit? Yeah. So the overall format that we like to use yeah. is hook, story, offer. Okay. And if something's wrong with your content, one of those three parts is wrong. It's your hooks, your story, or your offer. Okay. And so our job is basically to go in and evaluate what's wrong. Or if you don't have any content at all, we'll basically do all of it. And, and then if it's not working right away, then we'll adjust one, adjust the other, adjust the offer. Mm -hmm. And so that's our overall, you know, our overall, you know, value add. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is, is in terms of a sales funnel. Okay. So, are you aware of what the term sales funnel is? I am, but I'm sure some yeah. of our guests are not. And so, why don't you explain a little bit? Okay. So, a sales funnel is basically a mechanism in your business that takes strangers and turns them into customers. And so, it doesn't really go straight from stranger to customer. You take certain stepping stones along the way to build a relationship with them before they're willing to give you their money. Sure. Because giving your money is a personal thing. And I, in order to buy something from you, I have to trust you as a human being. Sure. And, or at the very least, not even as a human, but at the very least, I have to trust you as a business. Sure. And so that's something that we like to do a lot of. So the typically the top of our funnels for our, us and our clients is social media content, because that's the best place that you're going to find a wide variety of people in basically any interest by posting content that those people are interested in. So that's sort of what we specialize in basically. Oh, that's very good. And so as it relates to the funnel, so what are, what are some maybe 
tools and tricks to the funnel to kind of capture the trust of like, you know, your audience? Is it with maybe kind of the actual type of content or how you, how you like produce the content content or what, what would you say? So the trust is honestly the second step. The first step is attention mm-hmm. and then it's trust. Sure. As far as trust though, what I, the way I would go about that is you can't ever try to sell them something point blank. Mm-hmm. So like, like if you tell them, I want you to buy this, mm-hmm. that doesn't have, that never works. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I give it to you as a value add, so if I say, you know, this is something that has really worked for me and this has improved my life without telling you, the audience, to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing that I find builds trust. This The whole sales funnel thing reminded me of a couple of good books that I've written, I'm sure, or not written, but read, but, and I'm sure you probably have a few recommendations. Mine would be a, a dot-com secrets. Have you read that book? I read Traffic Secrets. Okay, so it's like the sequel to it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a good, who's the author again? Russell Brunson. Russell Brunson, right? The ClickFunnels guy. Probably the top, one of the top sales funnel people in the world that you can consult to. Yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. What about on the AI fronts, man? I mean, you know, I know you've, you've dove a little bit of our, in our organization on that. And you know, we actually just had a, uh, a really meaningful um, uh, collaboration with our team about, ChatGPT, ChatGPT, and ChatGPT for accountants, and what we can implement within our firm. How are you? How are you uh, kind of seeing certain things? Uh, how are you seeing it evolve? Like, is there like something specific that you're like, hey, if this company is not using AI for this particular op, they're fucked. Is there something that, like auto? Is there like an automatic thing, or, or you know, what, what's your take on it? Yeah, weirdly, I, I think it's. So, so first of all, I think it's a it's towards creative away from number stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you ever tried to do big math problems on ChatGPT? You know, I, I have, and um, even with like certain uh, uh, tax tax like complex tax matters that I wanted to present and and like have it spit out, um, it does it, but it's not tried and true. And so, you know, as as accountants as CPAs, we're always taught to be hold our professional skepticism and you know that that for sure goes with chat gbt like it's it's not a hundred percent and so we actually have discovered an error notified chat gbt of the error and then it apologized to us and said here's the real answer and then it answered it yeah correctly so yeah but that, that makes perfect sense yeah. and don't ever use it for math yeah. because it's not actually doing math like your calculator is it's basically taking its pattern recognition says, okay, when I see these two similar numbers multiplied together, generally the beginning sort of looks like this, the end sort of looks like this, and it'll give you a number sort of like that. Yeah. And it's not even a real answer. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, you know, real business uses, I think that especially for creative fields, it's really good at ID generation. It's not good at the final product, but if you're a script writer mm-hmm. and you want to figure out ideas to, you know, like I don't have no idea what to write a story about, you can use ChatGPT to help you figure out ideas. Right. You know, it, I think its biggest use in any field is preventing writer's block. So that's that's my opinion on on that, I think, yeah. How do you guys implement it within your business right now? So the way we like to use it is first, before we use ChatGPT at all, we have systems that are able to scrape Twitter, scrape TikTok, scrape Instagram, and find the best performing content inside your niche. And then once we have that, 
we take those concepts and plug them into ChatGPT and we're able to get scripts and ideas for any business or even if you're not doing a business for any, you know, kind of content. Yeah. And so basically the purpose of ChatGPT is to not just copy someone else's idea, but it sort of takes multiple ideas that are proven to perform well yeah. and it's able to use those together. Yeah. It's very interesting. I mean, you said something that kind of went counter to some of the things I'm used to. Yeah, I, I, I got exposed to earlier in, in my career. You said I wouldn't use it for like, you know, math, for instance, or I don't know, like, you know, like an Excel function can pretty much do Excel can pretty much do any any sort of math right now. Right. Yeah. Um, with the right formula. Um but you're you're saying, hey, it's not really like it's not it's not automating that or it's not, you know, helping the business with stuff like that, but it's more on the creative side. And for the creative side, you know, in the accounting world, it's always been about um, you know, the interpretation and uh creative tax strategy uh aspect to things. And um, you know, so I'm very curious to see how it, you know, the AI would evolve to be able to help solve something like basically a complex tax strategy. It could potentially identify new ones, mm -hmm. you know, and be able to put different things together. And so I'm very curious to see how that's going to evolve over time. But I'll tell you, you know, and, and I'm curious to see because you're in this, you're, you're Gen Z, right? Yeah. And so I'm a millennial and, you know, through that through my experience of things that have happened that have just completely, um, you know, disrupted our my industry, I'll start it with, you know, when I, when I was first starting, an associate in, in the big four was doing things that are completely different and in, in, in 10x different than what an associate coming out of college is doing now, yeah. right? What they were doing at, a big, at the big four, um, you're doing the most basic stuff. I'm talking about scanning documents. I'm talking about ticking and tying like uh, footing numbers and and stuff like that. And so, like the most basic stuff that have now been that in my journey was kind of replaced with first it was uh, offshore, right? So like, okay, you associates, we got this offshore re relationship. We're gonna just get a bunch of remote accountants that are a fraction of the cost, you know, businesses are doing that. And so, you know, the biggest companies started in implementing these offshore back offices in India and all these things and just getting rid of all the back office, like very simple, like, but tedious work. Okay. And that over time, it, it went into technology. So after, you know, they, they went through and they, you know, figured out and they made us actually as like, you know, the senior associates, because by then I was a little bit more tenured. It, they made us go in and like identify literally everything that we could potentially punt out to these offshore accountants, which by the way, these offshore accountants are, are probably brighter than us. They, like, they're like chartered accountants who are just living in like India or other places. Yeah. It's just super cheap to attain from, from a cost perspective. Um, but yeah, we would like literally try to templatize every single procedure we can and just farm it out. And by the time the associate got the work, it was already performed. So then now they're adding an additional element of re review and you could, you could understand the efficiency, so on and so forth. Then a few years went by and, you know, the firms, the bigger firms started implementing technologies. I don't know if you're familiar. One of the things 
that they uh, implemented in my in my industry was a program called Altrix. And Altrix was basically an automation system where it was a software where it would essentially um, reperform and mimic um, like exponential speeds on certain certain accounting tasks that needed to be done. And so you would it would automate a bunch of shit essentially. What you're talking about could have a slippery slope too. Absolutely. Because right now people are still skeptical about AI, yeah. but I think one of the scariest things is when people start trusting it and are no longer skeptical of it. Yeah. And if you take the AI's word for the gospel, yeah. then that's when we could be screwed over. There are always going to be errors yeah. and that could get scary, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that, and that could get scary could go the wrong way, right? Imagine the, the effects of certain things. I mean, the accounting industry could be pretty, pretty bad. Um, but other industries, I mean, call talk, talk about the medical field, any, any other field that we start implementing some AI. Um, at the end of the day, I also think, you know, as humans, we desire and need that human element of relationships yeah. as well. You know, it's become much less for better or for worse. And like, it's become the norm, right? From, from going to your accountant's office and shaking his hand, it's become Google meets or phone calls that are the norm since, especially since COVID. But the more and more this evolves, I, I'm curious to see what that what that desire from the human element is from you know um, from the consumer. I have a, a a question for you. I'm wondering which industry, as someone who's you know been an entrepreneur and successful business person for many years now, which industry do you think is going to be the first one that is completely automated out? Completely, yeah where there's just people who are running software and no more humans in that whole process. I don't know. I, I don't know if that in my lifetime, if that's ever going to happen completely. Yeah. Now the majority, I could already think about a handful of, a handful of things. There, there, there are certain things, but I mean, look, is it a big risk in the accounting industry? I think it is. And I think, I think the organization that stays on top of it and, you know, grows with the AI and it is not scared of it and is not thinking it is going to be, you know, um, in, in best position yeah. to, to combat it, but it's, it's going to, it's going to be a big deal in just industries over, uh, you know, cross industry. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to affect a lot of jobs. That's the reality of it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be the person that's going to have to prompt the AI, I think. And I think there's going to be the person that could finalize it and put the bow on it. And it make just like what the automations did, it just be, it makes the person's job ever more important. And in my industry, the, 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 the CPA or even the attorney that just delivers the information and that owns and puts a bow on it and, you know, applies his little... Uh, and, uh, you know, self, uh, you know, intellect on it to finalize certain things. And that's, and it, that part of it really excites me. Yeah. You know, because you know, a lot of people don't want to deal with like the mundane, like tedious bullshit. Yeah. It, it you know, it, for a lot of people, it, it also employs them and allows them to earn a living. But, you know, you just got to realize that we live in a world that you got to, ready for that and you got to be able to morph it 
Hey man, I'm I'm excited to have you guys on our team to yeah. help us with some of that stuff. Hopefully, <laughs> and yeah, we're ready to go. Yeah. And and it also you know something what we talked about with pushing AI forward and some there, there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on. And and actually a, a take I have is remember how in 2020 during the pandemic we had there's this massive bubble with EVs and there were companies that had not produced a single car that were more valuable than Ford, you know, which had been going on for a hundred years. Right. And so I think we're going to have that exact same kind of AI bubble in the next, you know, three to five years. We're going to see that exact same thing where people are throwing their money at these, you know, these AI companies and a lot of people are going to get burned. 100%. 100%. There's a big market for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to take advantage of it and be one of those guys, then by all means. But yeah, that's going to happen. And 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 because if you're not investing in it, you will fail, right? So you you got to get it right, and you got to, you know, you got to have people on your side. If it's not you who's very tech savvy and um, uh, you know, a, able to dissect the back, the pros and cons of certain software, and um, you know, you got to have someone good on your team to to make sure you're seeing that truth. Yeah, seeing that. Yeah. And, and I think the number one takeaway, and this is for anyone, any industry, don't invest on promises. Yeah. Invest in things that are proven. Yeah. So it's like no one checked. You, you're familiar with Elizabeth Hellows and Theranos. Yeah. No one checked, you know, if the technology actually worked before they invested. Right. It didn't work. Right. These words took the word for, oh, she's smart. You know, we've painted this idea of the people who are going to change the world are these, you know, 19-year-old dropouts which of course you're going to have some Steve Jobs that yeah. pop out, but that we, we can't say that that's going to be the norm. Right. It's at the end of the day, there's going to be a few individuals that bring change, but it's people as a collective. Yeah. That's my opinion. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, it's, it's a all, all hands in effort. Yeah. So. Cool, man. Well, I, you know, I don't know if we're running out of time or yeah. how much more time we have, but uh, try to provide some some good advice and some, some tax tips, a tax tip of the day. If you can do short-term Airbnb, it may be a great, great, great tax strategy to offset um, your active income, meaning income from your businesses, W-2s, you know, K-1s from your active businesses, like my law firms, doctors, any type of active business that you have too much income in that you want to offset with property mm -hmm. it's a great way to turn that property into non-passive aka active and offset that against uh your business so yeah absolutely and i'm sure you save you know people thousands of dollars just now so. yeah <laughs> yeah i appreciate it all right man well thanks yeah. for joining we will uh get together soon 